I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ezra, the third chapter, verses 8 through 13. I'm going to have my wife to read this while I switch up the mic here. Ezra, eighth chapter, I'm sorry, third chapter, verses 8 through 13. And here you go. Now in the second month of the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, the son of Chiltil, Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and the rest of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all those who had come out of the captivity to Jerusalem began work and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Jeshua with his sons and brothers Catmiel with his sons and the sons of Judah, arose as one to oversee those working on the house of God, the sons of Hinnadad with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, and his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice, when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. Tonight, tonight the Lord has told us to talk with you. He's told us to talk with you and share with you and talk about the sound of grace the sound of grace. I feel this presence. Thank you, Lord. I believe this passage carries the prophetic picture of where Metro is today. There's been a, a new season, a new coming together, uh, to lay a new foundation for the building of the house of God again. I've been talking to Bishop, so I know that you've been in like a rebuild and a restart for this house. And in, isn't it interesting that just like it was there that uh, at that time, that there's been an appointment of Levites 20 years old and above. So it's not a strange thing to see all these young adults actually overseeing the work of the house. And this was not the first time that God used that 20 year age, that 20 year age as, as, a, as a benchmark in the wilderness. Many of you may know the story of how God really caused those who were 20 years old and younger to actually see the land of promise. Even though an entire generation started out out of Egypt, only those at that 
at the time that they started out, who were 20 years and younger, they really are the only ones who made it into the land of promise, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. So by the time they actually made it into the land of promise, many times people think of the Joshua generation as only being young adults, but think about it. They were 20 when they started out. They were 60 when they got in. So the Joshua generation is not just the 20-somethings. It includes them. But those of you who are 50, 60, who thought it was too late. We're, we're all actually just getting started. Amen. Even for those who are like my parents who are in their 80s, I think of them as being like the Joshua and the Caleb, because that's exactly what the scenario, scenario was. It was 60-year-olds and younger and two leaders who was in their 80s. So God, there is tremendous for prophetic significance for what's happening in this hour right now. I want to move very quickly because I know that this is a middle of the week and many of you got to get to work tomorrow morning early and got to get to children and homework and all of that. And believe me, I'm, I'm aware. But I want to say this to you that at the, at the completion of the foundation laying stage of the temple, they took a praise break. <laughs> They sang, said they sang responsibly. They were praising and giving God thanks. And, um, but then you move on into the next verse, and it says, in the midst of that praise break, there was another sound heard in the midst of the shouting. Old men who had seen the first temple, they wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes, the Bible says. Now, this sound of weeping, I believe it's not just, sometimes I've heard this taught just from the standpoint of um, these guys were sorrowful, the, the glory's not like it used to be, but I also believe it includes where Metro is right now. It's that weeping sound that's coming up out of, we got two sounds coming up out of Metro right now. We're in rejoicing for what we're anticipating God's going to do, but we're also, there's a weeping because we remember the glory. We remember the miracle of how this facility was purchased, but I want you to know it's okay. Some of you got saved in this place. So as we're laying this new foundation, there's that tendency to weep about, you remember how glorious it was. But don't allow that weeping to keep you hold, holding you back from where God is taking us. We remember the streams of people that almost ran to the altar for prayer, the glory days, the first temple. How many of you were there? Some, some of all you. Some of you, you're the old, you can't even remember. Some of you, you don't know about that. You don't, some of you don't know about that. That's why I'm sharing it with you, because it's important that you understand this weeping that you sense in the spirit here in this place. You see those who have been around for a long time, they're not sad, but it's just there's a, something that we remember. 
as all these new things are happening, we're looking at it physically, the rebuilding of a stage, and newer faces are showing up, but there's two sounds coming up. There's a weeping and there's a rejoicing, and that's because we remember those Sundays when the services was four hours. But it, was, it wasn't four hours because some of y'all laughing because you think I'm talking about Bishop preached that long. No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about he, I'm talking about times when we never, he never even got a chance to speak. And we'd go from the worship and he'd tell the elders to come on down, line up across the front. And while Herb and the praise and, praise and worship team were just playing, they'd tell the elders to come all across the front and tell folks, just come on, come on to get prayer and we'd be there, no exaggeration, y'all know I'm telling the truth, four hours of people getting prayer, slain in the spirit, getting filled with the Holy Ghost, demonic manifestation, but we cast them out. When we first moved into this building, there were witches and warlocks that would come in here and they sit in our services making all their strange signs and symbols and people like Elder Burris and mom, my mom and Sister Barbara Ross would go and sit next to them. See, some, some of y'all, you don't know about that, but that's what's, that's what's part of the, that first temple, what I'm talking about prophetically. No, they didn't just say something across the room. They didn't go, Lord, you know, we buying that over there. No, they, they, would, they would go and sit right next to them. And then turn and look at them and say, Satan, you have no authority here. We bind what you're trying to do in this service. And how many was there and saw that? We remember the days of children's ministry. Some of you don't know it, but children have been filled with the Holy Spirit in this room. Children have been saved in this room. For many years, my wife and I were the youth pastors, and right here in this room, teenagers slain in the spirit, laying out on these floors, crying out to God. So even as we are anticipating the great thing that's happening, would you give us old ones a little bit of a moment to weep here as we remember? Come on, y'all join in with me. Are you old ones? You know what I'm talking about. and give him praise for what he has done. We were over the young adults and we would meet in this room once a month and we'd ask some of the elders who were a little older to come and sit and let young adults in their 20s ask questions about what it was like for them when they were in their 20s. the glory of the first temple. There were 40-day prayer and fast that took place in this room. That's why I wanted to be in this room. We'd be here night after night after night. I remember y'all remember those January nights. And then Bishop cut it back to 30 days. <laughs> The being in here from Friday night all night into Saturday morning 
and all day on Saturday. This is newer carpet, but the old carpet was stained with tears of intercession. There were people who laid out on this floor so that those of you who are new right now, so that you could be here. The whole point of it was souls. There are people who you will never meet. But they gave. Like the widow's might, they gave to the building fund so that you would be able to, in this day, say, I give you praise, God. Thank you for my life. There were spontaneous songs of worship that were birthed in this house. There was a time in this house we wasn't singing none of the popular praise and worship songs in America. None of them. Why? Because God gave us a song. How do you remember singing and dance before the Lord? He has triumphed gloriously. We remember the soldiers who fought alongside of us. So that's part of the week that's in this place right now. Barbara DeClue, my brother Mark Green, our brother Chris Jackson, Fred Bass, Robert Parrish, Rick Murdoch, John Burris, Charlene Burris, Brother Rodney, he's so special, you, know, you can't even say his last name, just Brother Rodney. <laughs> and then our dear sister Cassie. So even as we are celebrating the new thing that God is doing, would you give us old heads a moment to weep? As we remember those, would you come on right now? Just worship him. Let, let the tears flow. It's okay. Because it's the sound of grace. It's part of the sound of grace where there's a rejoicing and a weeping. But in both of them, he gets all the glory. Come on, would you lift it up to him right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give it to you, Lord God. Yes, Lord. So, during this anniversary praise break, which happens to be a season of laying a foundation for a, a temple rebuild. There's a sound within the sound, and it's the sound of grace. It's the voice of those who are like the old men. We're weeping with a loud voice because we not only remember 
we not only remember what God did, but we also remember those who were with us in that part of this story. This has been the sound of grace coming forth out of this house. It sounds, it's, I call it a sound that, that resonates in every fiber of our being, but at the same time, it's a battle cry. Let me give you one of the foundational words of this house. This is foundational for us. Very familiar passage of scripture, but it's foundational. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Just wanted to show you a little, just show, share this with you really quick. There's a real difference between the excellence of the power and the power of excellence. You know, we live in a world where many people, are, and it's really true, there's nothing wrong with it. Many people seek the power of excellence, which is, you know, you seek the affluence or the affluence or the influence that you can gain by really performing well, practicing well, your, your procedures, your protocol, like when the, you know, we got several Olympic athletes who, who are believers and because of their excellence, it gave them the, the, uh, the platform to speak about Jesus. So there's nothing wrong with the power or the affluence that comes to us as a result of excellence. But this scripture isn't talking about that. And often many have under, misunderstood Metro Christian Worship Center's place in St. Louis, Missouri, because this passage of scripture is a better explanation of what Metro is about. Yes, you can go to churches and ministries that are far more flashier. It looks great on the outside. They got the most gifted people, the most talented people. Even when you drive up, the landscaping is so awesome, you think you've entered into heaven. Now, am I saying there's anything wrong with those things? No. But this is a place where if you judge a book by its cover, you'll miss it. Because our cover doesn't always look so good. What does our cover look like? This is what our cover looks like. We're hard pressed. That, that's what our cover looks like, hard pressed. The word hard pressed actually means we're troubled, compressed, afflicted. but God never allows us to be crushed. The next one, perplexed. The word perplexed literally means to be in dire strait. It means that God allow you to be into some situations that are embarrassing. 
And just what I'm teaching and what I'm saying to you right now is part of the reason why I know it may have been a struggle being here. Because you said, but everybody else is talking about prosperity and everybody else is talking about your dreams being fulfilled and everybody else is talking. And every time I come to Metro, Pastor Ray is always talking about giving up and surrendering and believing God and recognizing God's voice and his will for your life and getting down into the deep motivations of your heart and why you do what you do and don't nobody else get in all of that. How come every time I go to that church you feel like you've been under an x-ray machine? The man be all up in your business. Stuff you just said when you was walking out the door, he probably speaks it. And it happened to us too. We had some friendly fire one time on our way to church. And the Lord told me to apologize to my wife. And I, I said, I ain't gonna apologize first. I always have to apologize first. <laughs> I said, the reason why I'm not going to apologize first is because she precipitated it. I used a big word on God. <laughs> and that Sunday, Pastor Raphael Green was talking about relationships and how husbands need to love their wives the way Christ loved the church. And he said, and I know the reason why you don't want to apologize first is because she precipitated it. <laughs> and then I understood how people feel when they come to this church. You feel like all the lights went out in, on that whole auditorium and the media team put a spotlight on you. But the excellence of the power looks like this. It looks the opposite of the power of excellence. The power of excellence is I've got it together. And people are going to be drawn to me because I've got it together. But the excellence of the power says that when I don't have it together, when it's embarrassing, when I'm in doubt, when I don't know what to do, that I'm still not in despair. Despair means that I'm not an, an utterly at a loss. It, does, it means that I'm not at a place where I'm so destitute that I don't even have any resources, that I don't know where to turn. So no matter how embarrassing it is, God, you are still my source. That's what's keeping me together. That's what's holding me together. It's just the opposite. So it wasn't my nice looking clothes and having it all together and making sure the car is running and the, and the lawn is manicured and the house looks great to keep up this image that everything is okay. No, it's the excellence of his power within me.
Yes, Lord God. That even when it's embarrassing, what I mean by embarrassing, I mean embarrassing like they had to turn my utilities off. I'm talking about embarrassing like they had to repo my car. I'm talking about embarrassing like foreclosure and bankruptcy. That even though it's there, I still know, God, you are my source. Anybody been there? Come on, just give God praise. Hallelujah. The excellence of the power looks like this. I'm persecuted but not forsaken. Persecuted means that I've been made to run. I'm on the run. I'm being pursued. I'm being harassed. And it's not a coincidence that he said not forsaken because when we are feeling, when we're pursued, when we're feeling harassed, it's so easy to feel like we've been abandoned. It's easy to feel like you've been deserted. It's easy to feel like you're helpless and just barely surviving. But he says we are not forsaken. And he said, it was struck down but not destroyed. It literally means that something was thrown down with the full intention of destroying it. If I were to have a glass or, or a, you know, some porcelain and I were to throw it down as hard as I could, imagine what it does to the enemy when we take these fragile things that we are as human beings and he throws us down as hard as he can and it's supposed to break and it bounces. <laughs> the next time you read this scripture, I want you to hear it that way. We're struck down, but we bounce. Even though I'm made of glass and I'm fragile like porcelain, I get thrown down and I don't, I just bounce. And so all this time, I've been caught up on the fact that I was thrown down instead of recognized. I didn't break. Come on, tell somebody, you didn't break. And here is why. Because we're always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested. We're talking about their dying. We're talking about the dying that Jesus went through as he was in service to his father. We're talking about that dying that we're going through as we're surrendering our hearts and our will to God. That the life of Jesus may really come forth. My wife mentioned it earlier, talking about the fullness of the love of God. All of this is happening to us. Why am I talking about this? All of this is happening to us and has been happening to us and it was part of the makeup and the building and the foundation and the DNA and the fiber of this house to bring us to this point. And it's been so necessary because, just think, man, the last few years, anybody, if y'all done like us, we've been long distance, but I know you had to, looking at each other and going, what in the world is going on here? Loss of life, loss of property, loss of relationships. Lord, what's going on here? 
we've been going through and caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. So that the genuine life is what this passage is talking about. The genuine, untainted, undefiled, no mixture life of Jesus can come through us. The reason why this is so necessary in this season for Metro Christian Worship Center is because we're facing a world where people don't believe nothing. We can no longer discern the difference between what's real, what's fake, even, real, even reality, reality TV is fake. You do know that, right? You do know that reality TV is fake, right? Did it ever occur to you that you're watching something that cameramen and lighting people are all standing there filming this? Oh, I just blew somebody's bubble, I'm sorry. <laughs> You probably thought pro wrestling was true too, didn't you? <laughs> so I'm talking about the genuine life of Jesus. One thing about what we have gone through, and believe me, when I say we, we include ourselves. Everything that has happened in the Metro family has deeply impacted us. I can't tell you how many times we wanted to come home or the times we could come home for the homegoing services and the things that were happening and we had to go back and grieve. We couldn't be here to hold you and walk through the grieving process with you. We had to go back. And all we had was, was each other and our family. The reason why every time our sons come home and they feel so close is because We've had to just hold on to each other and watch from a distance. But even while we've been going through this, it's brought us to a place where all I want is real. Metro no longer has a tolerance for hypocrisy. With all that we've been, just think about yourself right now. As God is preparing us for whatever is about to come upon this nation, we have no stomach for fake. We have no stomach for hypocrisy. We only want what's real. I want the real word of God. I want the real life of God. I want the true motivation of God in my life. If that's you, come on right now, say yes, Lord. This is the word the Lord gave me to share with you, Bishop, in particular. Because I, he said for me to read this as we're moving forward as a family. It reads like this from 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, Apostle Paul writing, he says, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to the angels and to men. You may have felt this way many, many times, Bishop. Especially over these last seven or eight years. He says, for we are fools for Christ's sake. 
but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. This one deeply touches me because we live in it. He said, you are distinguished, but we are dishonored. When we were honored with those doctor degrees, this is the result of being on an apostolic leader who's willing to be dishonored so that we would be distinguished. Big reason why that happened to us is because we submitted here yes. under a true apostle. who would be dishonored so that others that he pushed would get distinguished. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless, and we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. And I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. You're in a house where you don't just simply just join. It's not membership. It's through birth. It's begotten. It's sons and daughters, not just church members. Some of you come from Church of God in Christ, member of old school song we used to sing. You cannot join in. You got to be born in. Some y'all remember that? <laughs> I didn't always understand that. They were because the emphasis sometimes was just on the denomination for some, but for those who understood the old, the old who were part of the foundation, they knew what they were talking about that this isn't a club that you join. This is a family that you're birthed into. And maybe that's what's always made Metro Christian Worship Center a little bit peculiar. It can come off kind of cliquish, but we don't mean it that way. It's just that it's a family. Amen. And you, you, yeah, you can come and join the family. Come on, be born into the family. But something happens when you get a little bit of history under your belt, some shared history. You move to a little bit of a different level. It becomes more than just let's attend, let's go to church, you know, we're going to have praise and worship, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you know, and we're going to have get-togethers and gatherings. It becomes your life. Not just the attendance of church, but I want to be with my brothers and sisters. God has called us to a particular mission and purpose 
in this city. Pastor Frank King mentioned it Sunday. He said there's something that's in the DNA of this house. It's the no matter what mentality. And in a time where many of you, I know, you're feeling overwhelmed, tremendously overwhelmed because of the losses, because of the battles. Here's the Apostle Paul talking about his own life to give us in a picture of the price that must be paid because he ended all of that by saying, imitate me. He said, imitate me. What's imitating him? He said, be fools for Christ so that others can be wise in Christ. Be weak so others can be strong. Be dishonored so others can be distinguished. And that's hard when you're from St. Louis because I ain't letting nobody. I ain't no doormat. Nobody walking on me. <laughs> what am I talking about? Don't fight for first place. Fight for, when I say first place, don't fight for first seat. First seating, first billing. We live in a world that if you don't fight for first billing, don't nobody remember number two? Who lost last year's World Series? All we know is Kansas City won. <laughs> Who lost last year's Super Bowl? Who was the last opponent that Serena Williams beat? So you don't remember number two. And here's the Lord saying, Don't be trying to make people remember your name. If somebody else, if they remember the other person's name, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Jesus said, don't walk in and go and take the best seat and then have to have somebody come and say, uh, excuse me. <laughs> that ain't your seat. <laughs> I'm going all St. Louis. When folks back in Harrisburg hear this back, they're going to be like, Pastor, we couldn't understand the words you said. You went all back to St. Louis, everything. I was, everything. Just <laughs> That's because I'm at home, y'all. <laughs> it just come out. <laughs> Being willing to be in hunger and thirst and poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. What am I talking about? I believe he's talking about a place of identification. It's where he took us. Come on out the church building and identify with the folks who are right there. They're hungry, they're thirsty, they're poor. They're beaten, they're homeless. We went out to dinner last night, and there was a lady outside, and she asked for a meal. She said, I don't want no money. I just need a meal. She said, come on in the restaurant with us. She ordered hers to go. Here's what the Lord spoke to us after we prayed for her. 
you know. She said, I knew you was a pastor. I, I knew, I could just tell you know, somebody's a pastor. <laughs> and over in our head, over in my course, in my head is playing, you know, is she really for real? Is she just going to take the food and go sell it? And all? But that ain't on me. How, how could I dare ask people, because God's got us working with the homeless and, and uh, with folks who are unemployed. How could I dare ask people, me and Carol, dare, dare to ask people to support our ministry to help the homeless if we ain't going to help the homeless? How hypocritical that would have been of me. What am I getting at? We're going to have to be. Be. Identify. Be the life of Christ. If she's taking if she if she was taking advantage of our grace and goodness, it won't be the first time somebody took advantage of the grace and goodness of the Lord. I don't want to give them nothing because they might just be taking advantage of it like we ain't never took advantage of the grace and goodness of the Lord. Somebody just clear your throat with me. Just <laughs> be willing to labor with your own hands. Be willing to be reviled but continue to bless. Be willing to be persecuted yet endured. Be willing to be defamed yet entreated. And Defame literally means to be evil spoken of, and we really struggle with that as St. Louisans. And nobody evil spoken. One of the biggest things we like to protect is our reputation around here. But he said, still being willing to re entreat. Entreat means to call to one side, to call for the summit, to strive to, to appease by entreaty, so that even if the one who's I know they talking about me. That I still, with good conscience, could still say, what's up, brother? How you doing? Love you. Way back in the day, there was a contractor that worked on this building. And he messed up so bad that uh, his suppliers came after the church suing us, suing Metro for the money that the contractor owed them. It wasn't even our fault. We had nothing to do with it. We got it all settled. We won the case and all of that. And, but I saw this, brother, a few months after that. And those of y'all who knew what Pastor Chris was like back in that day, oh, I was not very pastoral sometimes. <laughs> but when I saw him, instead of getting angry, this came upon me, this entreating. The Holy Spirit just suddenly made me aware this is part of the background story. He had a drug problem. He did like so many people with drug problems do. They mess up. They mess up bad. And the people that they hurt, family, friends, even their own church, they're ashamed. 
So the Lord took the focus off of my anger and my offense to his shame. Walk right up to him. So good to see you. How you been doing? Back in those days, the phrase we used to use, some of y'all remember this, and say, man, it's all good. Remember saying that? You can say a thousand things. Just grab them. It's all good. It's all good. We understand. Later on in his life, he got, him, got himself together, went through drug rehab, got clean, all of that. I saw him a couple of years ago. He came up to me and he said, thank you. He said, because I messed up so bad, everybody, and they had the right to, turned against me. He said, but you, you reached out to me when I was at my lowest. Then he threw in an extra bonus. I didn't expect this. He said, God just put in my heart to bless you. <laughs> Say, how much you need? I was like, I'm writing you out a check for $1,000 right now because at my lowest moment, you reached out and you forgave me. You showed me compassion. Now, I'm not saying every time you forgive somebody, you're going to get $1,000. <laughs> but I tell you one thing, you're going to release them to be free, to be a blessing to somebody else. Come on, bless the Lord. That last phrase, I'll jump on down to that because this is very important. He said, we must be willing to be made as the filth of the world and off-scouring of all things. That, that filth and off-scouring is a Greek word that means, pronounce that for me, dear. Expiation. Expiation. The price of expiation. Back in those days and times, they would have, whenever a plague or, or a calamity would come upon a nation, they would offer sacrifices to gods, human sacrifices to these gods to try to stop the calamity or the plague or whatever that had broken out. Well, most often, the humans that they were used to do that were criminals who they felt was life was worthless anyway. This life is worthless, so we, as far as we're concerned, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're expendable. So we'll sacrifice them. Here's Apostle Paul saying, I was made, let's be as the filth of the world, the off-scouring all things, where they just consider us expendable. The world thinks of us as being expendable. And eh, we don't really need you. You're worthless. And Paul told us to imitate him. Don't fight it when they see us that way. I'm going to make them respect us as the church. The world considers us off-scouring, filth, expendable.
So where is this going to take us? Here's the word of the Lord, my actual closing. Hey God, the second chapter, starting at the first verse, this is the word of the Lord for us in this hour. In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Well, in comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, so says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came up out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And as we're moving in this 29th anniversary celebration in this time of laying of a new foundation in this time where we have the sound of weeping and the sound of rejoicing at the same time. Verse 6, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while. Hear the word of the Lord Metro. The Lord says, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they will come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. I will fill this temple. Take courage, those of you who were here in the former. But in this hour, God says, I'm going to fill this temple. He's not just talking about this building. But there is a move of God that he has been preparing us for. And what the enemy meant for evil to destroy us, God has used it to shape you, to purge you, to purify you, to really work on our motives, to give us, give us clarity and focus. There may be some of you that may need to pull back, sit down. It's okay. Regroup, retreat, come back at it again. But just know, the Lord says, in this season, this hour, I'm going to fill this temple with glory. Read the rest of it. The glory, the silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than of the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, in this place, I will give you peace. I will give you peace. Right there where you are for whatever season that 
you have been walking through, coming through, where there's been tremendous loss, where the tables have turned, things have gone upside down. One of the things that's important to know is when you've reached a place where it's time for me to just move with God, let go of what I've been holding on to. One of the things that God called us to do in Harrisburg, there were times when we just had to totally pull back, stop, regroup, let God do it. Some of you have been running and running through the losses, through the tragedies that have hit this house, and you've been still just trying to keep going on anyway. Can I say to you that you may need to just kind of pull back and regroup? Pull back, regroup, it's okay. Because where you are, you're still weeping from the times of the former. There's a grieving process that everybody goes through. Some of you have been through the studies. Uh, they debate about how many stages you go through in, in, in recovering from grief, in recovering in grief, five to seven stages. You got shock, denial, bargaining, sadness, anger, Part of the anointing of the Lord that you read about in Isaiah 61, it says he's Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the, the anointing is there is present for those who grieve in Zion. For those who are still in shock in Zion. For those who are still bargaining in Zion. I'm, sh I'm sharing this with you because this week is very critical for you. For those of you who are still in sadness in Zion. For those who are, come on, you got to be honest, still angry in Zion. The ministry that's present for grief, Whew. my Lord, there's comfort. There's consolation and there's comfort that's mentioned. Consolation is, um, how can I put it? No, uh, well, comfort, I'll start with comfort. Comfort is an easing of the pain. But consolation for the grief is a removal of the sense of the loss. It's not just comforting the pain. It's a removing of the sense of the loss. And so Holy Spirit, I thank you for the ministry of consolation to our church family. The removal of the sense of the loss. Lord. Some of you, it's hard to even 
fathom and think about the next step. You're looking at the new foundation being laid and you're, you're weeping because you remember the glory, not just the glory days here, but some of you, the glory days in your life. One of the things we ask the women at the shelter is, what, are your, what, what was the happiest days of your life? And we ask that because that's often where people are still stuck. Even though they're living in 2016, they're still stuck in 1975. The last time I was genuinely happy. And part of what's kept some of you moving forward with the things that God has given Bishop and Pastor Brenda to move forward is because you remember in 1996, You remember 1997, 98, 99 around here when it was packed and people were coming and things were going and so now you see they have these 20 somethings putting up stuff in the church. I'm like, what is all of this? It's live streaming it. What's, what's all this strategy changes and things that are happening because and some of you probably have said it because back when I first came to Metro, it was, you're still grieving in Zion. So it's important right now in this moment, in this season, that you receive the ministry of consolation. Would you do that right now? Lord, remove the sense of the loss. We're not removing the ones who were lost, but that empty void, that place that's holding me back from moving on to moving forward. Yes, Lord. I want to move in the excellence of the power of God. Heal us, oh God. Make it very personal. Heal me, oh God. Some of you that may be in your own personal life, not just related to Metro, but in your own personal life. You lost someone dear and precious over the last five, 10, or 15 years, and you're still there. The sense of loss is still there, and it's keeping you from moving forward in God. Would you receive the ministry, the consolation of the Holy Spirit now? Sometimes when you hear the word consolation, we think about in worldly terms, you know, you get the consolation prize. That's not what consolation really is. Consolation is I'm removing the sense of loss. That's why they give people a consolation prize. In other words, you didn't win, so let us give you something so that you don't feel the sense of the loss. If that's you, come on, just lift your hands to the Lord. Lord, I, I hear you talking to me tonight. I hear you, Lord. Do this holy thing in me. Yes, Lord. Lord, I thank you that the glory of this latter temple that is being established here, that is going to be greater than the former. Establish in this place, God, your peace. In every heart, Lord, your peace. In every home, Lord, your peace. In every marriage, Lord, your peace. With our children, Lord, your peace. 
thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord God, that the sound of grace that will come up out of this house <laughs> will be a reflection of your heart. Heal, God. Heal, God. Lord, we thank you for restoring what was lost. Lord, we thank you for your fullness, for giving us fullness so that the sense of loss is gone, so that we can allow you to fill us with what was lost, so that we can allow you to restore what was lost, so that you will redeem even what was lost in us. Thank you, Lord, for restoring what was lost, for redeeming what was lost, for giving us back what was lost and more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. I will exalt you. I will exalt you. I will exalt you. You are my God. You are my God. Come on, one more time. I We live in a part of a country, the East Coast, where so many people have been so wounded for so long that it's hard for them to believe. It's hard to believe God. And we're learning more as we follow the Lord that Chris and Carol can't teach him through it, preach him through it. They must have his presence. I can't tell you how many people we haven't been able to say a word to except for just to give them a hug and to hold them. And so in the days that are coming, Metro, it isn't going to be a whole lot of what is said as much as it's going to be what you live and what his presence is coming through your life. And it will be manifested even when we gather together in this building. That even before one song is sung, before one elder stands up and says a word, that when people come in amongst the people of God and because of his presence, 
they will know that God is in this place. Would you sing and worship the Lord again? Come on, let's welcome his presence. I will exalt you. I will exalt you. I will exalt you. You One more time, I will exalt. I will exalt you. Yes, Lord. I will exalt you. I will exalt you. You are my God. You are my God. Now come on, worship him. We worship you, Lord God. Go la da da ba kiss, do la da 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 ba. Go la da da ba kiss, do la da da ba. Let's just stand together tonight. Hallelujah. Lift our hands to God. Receive what the Lord is saying to us. This has been a profound prophetic word for us. And as usual, when prophetic words come, they're not easily grasped. Some part of it is that which God will make known to us as we move forward. But I want you guys to sing that, that chorus just one more time. And we're going to make this declaration to God as we embrace what the Lord has done and what he said to us. I will Father, we affirm your faithfulness to us and we thank you that you are mindful how sensitive you are to every one of us in this room and not only where we are now but where we've been and how we got to this place. And thank you, God, for not ignoring our pain and the things that have molded and shaped even the very way we think and process the things that you have allowed in our lives. We commit our way to you, Father. We say yes to you, Lord God. And we thank you for bringing forth out of us a song that expresses your grace and your faithfulness. May our very lives, Lord, be expressions of sweet-smelling savors, a sweet fragrance to you, God. Thank you, Jesus. We refuse to be bitter. We refuse to live in the place of anxiety we refuse to live in despair 
We thank you for the excellence of your power, which causes us to focus not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are eternal. Thank you for the grace to see the unseen, that which we could never do in the natural, you now are empowering us to do by the Holy Ghost. We bless you, Father. We worship you. Bring forth, Lord, through us that which you desire and have always wanted to see take place. In the name of Jesus, we bless you tonight, God. Would you take a moment and just affirm one another in Christ and just say these words to them. God is with you. Nothing that you face are you facing alone. He's with you right now to strengthen your steps, to strengthen your heart, to comfort you, to grant consolation, that you'll be able to run well, that you'll be able to finish strong. Hallelujah. Come on, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, find somebody else and encourage them in the Lord tonight. Tell them not to be afraid, not to be discouraged. Thank you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. Be encouraged tonight. Amen. As we are leaving, Come on, let's just bless the Lord for Pastor Chris and Pastor Carol. Thank you for coming. Hallelujah. Can we send that course grace alone?